Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of Gospel Nate, the show where we look into God's Word to see how He wants us to live. Last week we covered the idea of being broken over sin. We saw that our hearts need to be broken over sin the way the Father's heart is broken over sin. Until it is, we will make excuses for our sin and reason it away. Without this true brokenness, we will never get to the part of cleansing our hands or purifying our hearts. So we'll need to draw near to God, and by extension of this, he will draw near to us. He won't force himself on us or can go against our will. That's not how he does it. All of this is going to require humility. Know that there is sin standing between you and him. Humbly draw near to him and ask for forgiveness. Ask him to show you why you went into the sin in the first place. Then deal with what he shows you. Don't just walk away from it, but actually ask him for for the steps. Ask him what he wants you to do in response to what he's shown you. He will draw near to you when you come with a humble heart and no excuses. I say that because if you come with excuses, you're not ready to actually address the sin. You're still fighting against it and trying to justify it. Which segues into our verse for the day very nicely. But first, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time that we have with you. Lord, we thank you for your word and that you continue to show us how to interact with you and how to have relationship with you. Lord, that you have not forsaken us and you have not left us to figure it out on our own, but you've given us very clear written instructions. And we give you the praise for this all as we draw close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's jump into our verse. James 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humility is key to this whole thing we call Christianity. It really is. Humble is a verb in this case. It's something you do actively. The Greek word is tapinoo. It means to make low or to bring low, to level or reduce to plane. This isn't about how other people see us. It is about how we come across to God. He knows our heart, so there is no fooling him. The Greek word for sight is enopion. It means in the presence of or before the presence of. Standing in his presence, show yourself to be humble. Do not think yourself to be more than you ought to. Jesus gave us a good example of this in Luke chapter 18 verses 9 through 14. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the synagogue to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me. I am a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The Pharisee compared himself to the man standing next to him or at least standing in his proximity. Because he didn't do the things the tax collector did, he saw himself as more righteous. Because he was more religiously observant, he was more righteous. At least, that's what he told himself in God. 
As we all know by now, the Pharisee had some issues, but so do most of us. All people will be good examples. Some are just good examples of bad examples. Here's the deal. We aren't supposed to compare ourselves to the Pharisees and say, we are doing well because we aren't like them. That wasn't the point of Jesus saying this. The point was that religion will not get you there. Religion will not make you humble, and it will not make you righteous. All your works will be wasted and completely and utterly useless. Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as, the, as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. The Hebrew word for filthy is aid. It means a menstrual cloth. Our righteousness is like a rag filled with old blood. It is absolutely of no value. It will never be enough to make us right before God. Hence the reason why we must come before God and ask Him for, hum for forgiveness with humility. It isn't about how good I am or the good things I've done or how much I pray or how many times I've read my Bible. It's about that humility factor of being, Lord, without you I am nothing, and apart from you I have no righteousness. If we go back to Luke 18, 13 through 14, and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to the heaven, but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For anyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The second man did not talk about his righteousness. He knew he was not righteous. Rather than lift up himself in his perceived righteousness, he cried out to God for mercy. Now, here is a difference between us and him. We are righteous because of God's righteousness. The tax collector was not saved at that time. Therefore, all he had was the faith and obedience. Later, Jesus would die on the cross for our sins, and this faith would gain him Christ's righteousness. We currently have Jesus and his righteousness, and that makes us righteous before God. So we are no longer sinners. But you must always remember that it is not about what you did. It's about what Jesus did. Apart from Jesus, you're completely toast. You're just done. The tax collector went down to his house justified because of his reliance on his faith into the Messiah and into the Father. His faith was in God to justify him, not his works. He had humility and faith in God. The Pharisee had pride and faith in his works. The tax collector had a true humility. It wasn't about what he did. It wasn't about his awesomeness. He wasn't good enough. The Pharisee had false humility. Basically, he was saying, Oh, Lord God, see how I am not like these other people. Thank you that I am not like them. I do all these works that are awesome and should please you. Now, do you see what's happening here in this case? You go to church, you read your Bible, you pray, you do kind things, and then you stand before God and man and talk about your good works. And the sad thing is, nobody really cares. Because at the end of the day, you only did those things that were already expected of you in the first place. You didn't break some record and you aren't an above-average performer. I know someone will have a problem with the statement, so let's look at the words of what Jesus said. If we back up and go to Luke 17, verse 
7 through 10. And which of you, having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he comes in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper, and gird yourself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterwards you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, when you have done all those things which are commanded, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty. Now, do not misunderstand. This is not a slam against those who are doing what they are commanded, but rather, it's more of a pride check. Not one of us can stand before God and even dare to think about how good we are, because all of our goodness comes from Him in the first place. So, we cannot even claim it as our own. Apart from Jesus, we are dead in our spirit and selfish flesh. Nothing good can come out of us. It isn't until Jesus shows up that goodness actually begins to come through. Because when he shows up in your spirit with the Holy Spirit, it raises your spirit to life. And now you don't have death coming out of you, but you have life. You now have the ability to show forth good works and show forth Christ and show forth his righteousness. But someone will say, I know lots of people who are good people and do not know Jesus or do not claim to be Christians. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that their good works only glorify themselves because they do not have Jesus to point to? Therefore, the only one who is being lifted up and exalted is themselves. And that would be pride. And all that goodness is as a filthy rag and will gain them nothing. When we lift ourselves up in flesh and pride, when we promote ourselves, it is flesh and pride. When we are trying to make ourselves known, it is flesh, and oftentimes, it is pride. Now, quick disclaimer, if you are going for a job or a new position at, an, at your existing job, please do promote yourself. The person you're dealing with needs to know what you can do and what you have done in your past. That is working within a system. Just do not approach it with an air or an attitude of being all that and a bag of chips. You can be humble and promote your abilities and achievements. Just don't think that any of them will gain you your righteousness or right standing with the Father. Only our response to Jesus can do that. Then his righteousness is imputed to us and we gain the benefit. But here's the catch. When we are promoting ourselves, when we are promoting our righteousness, we are saying that ours is good enough and that we do not need Jesus' righteousness. We are saying that his alone is not enough, that people need to see our religious works and righteousness to know we are good. You then negate the righteousness of Jesus, and you must live by the law. James 2, verse 10, For whoever shall keep the whole law, and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. This is a pot of water that is getting hotter the farther you get from Jesus. But here's the good news. When we do humble ourselves, when we admit that it is all by Jesus and not of ourselves, when we point to Jesus and show others that he is responsible for the good in us, then we begin to shine through. Humility is funny because it works on multiple facets. It will take humility to ask Jesus for salvation. It will take humility to ask for forgiveness. It will take humility to submit to Jesus. It will take humility to stay in and do his will. 
It will take humility to keep you from judgment. It will take humility to lay down your soul before the Father. It will take humility to then do what the Father shows you. None of this will happen without humility. When this does happen, we start to come through. Remember a couple of episodes I said that when Jesus comes through, that's when the real us shows up. When our spirit is alive in Christ and people begin to see Christ in us, then who we really are begins to shine through. So all of this time we're spending trying to be known is mostly wasted. And honestly, that is really what pride is all about anyways. Getting people to know who we think we are. A desperate attempt to be known. All that work goes into it for nothing. Because who we've been promoting all this time is not who we really are in the first place. We've been promoting our wounds. Now think about this for a minute. When we say things like the Pharisee is saying, what are we really saying? God, look at my wounds. Aren't they amazing? See all the bandages I have to keep people from seeing what is going on? I bet even you can't tell what's going on. Doesn't it make me look awesome and righteous? At which point, I'm pretty sure God just face palms because he has better for us than that. And worse still is when we get into the religion of it. We behave badly, and then we go to church more frequently and pray more and read more, thinking that somehow it will offset what we've done, and we have it in our heads that if we just do more religious acts, God won't be mad at us, and we have convinced ourselves that it works. That's the scary part. When you look at the picture of a woman and you do the thing you know not to do, then you get into guilt. Then you try to make up for it by doing more Bible studies. Or you begin to gossip and you know better, so you pray longer or more often. And because these are all things Christians are supposed to do anyways, we think it makes us better or maybe more acceptable. And it's all just religious hogwash so that you can show God that you really aren't as bad as you think you are, or to convince yourself that you can do better, but there's a better way. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. When you have fallen, go before the Father. Go before Jesus. Ask for forgiveness right away. Don't wait a day or two or 15. Go immediately. Time will only make it worse. It doesn't make it better. And he isn't mad at you in the first place. His heart breaks over the sin that is killing you. So submit yourself to him and take off the sin. Then walk in his will and direction. You see, we have it in our heads that, you know, as soon as we sin or do something that we're not supposed to do, that all of a sudden God is mad at us and he's waiting to punish us and strike us down. And, you know, sometimes we end up reaping the consequences of the sin that we've engaged in and we think that it's judgment from God, but it's really not. The bottom line is that your sin will find you out. And when it finds you, it will reap the consequences in your life that you sowed. It's all about sowing and reaping. If you sow death, you will reap death. And that's really what's going on here. And God sees that death being reaped in your life and it breaks his heart. He wants nothing more than to snatch you out of the fire and keep you safe in himself. But you're going to have to submit to his will. You're going to have to submit to his plan. And it is then that he can lift you up and show the world the righteousness that lives within you because of him. That brokenness we talked about in our last episode will lead you right into humility. And when you have submitted yourself to Jesus in humility, he will lift you up. Do not respond to sin with pride, and don't wait to deal with it. 
Do not try to use religion to make up for failure. Do not try to compare yourself to people who are worse than you, in air quotes, because comparison doesn't work and God isn't concerned about what somebody else is doing or how good or not good somebody else is. What he's concerned about is where you're at right now. What are you dealing with right now? How are you responding to the sin in your life that is killing you? Because like I said, it's that death that he is trying to snatch you out of. It is that death he is trying to preserve you from. And if you're fighting him on it, you'll never gain the freedom that you need to have, and you'll never gain the righteousness. And we typically fight him when we get into that pride mentality of, well, I did this sin, and it's not as bad as this other guy because I only looked at a picture, but this other guy was looking at a video. Or I only told a small lie that didn't get anyone in trouble, but it wasn't as bad as this other guy who lied, and he got bunches of people in trouble and nobody could prove he was wrong so he got off scot-free and now everyone else is suffering for it it's not about the comparison and it's not about how small quote-unquote your sin is because sin is sin is sin and all sin leads to death so stealing a pen gains you the same consequence the same death as adultery telling a little white lie gains you the same death as any form of sexual immorality. Not for nothing, but just because you, for example, stole a bag of potato chips from a grocery store, doesn't mean that you're not as bad as Hitler. You both sinned, and sin leads to death. And ultimately, if nobody's doing what they're supposed to do, the consequences are going to be the same, death. And that's the thing that God came to save us from in the first place, was that death. It's the reason that he came to live in our spirit, to dwell with us in our spirit, to raise our spirit to life and to bring that life into our soul and to have that have an effect on our bodies so that his righteousness and his glory and salvation can shine through us and affect those around us. So with that said, let's pray. Father, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for your love for us, for your patience with us, for the fact that no matter what, no matter who we are lying to, whether it's ourselves or to you, no matter what we have done, you are standing there with open arms waiting for us to come back to you. Father, you vowed in your covenant with us that you would never leave us or forsake us. And we know that's true. And we give you the praise for it, knowing that if we return to you with humility, that you will take us back. And the sooner we turn to you with that humility and brokenness over the sin, the sooner we can get back on track with you and the sooner we can start walking the way we need to walk. We give you the thanks for this all in Jesus' name. Amen.